Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, June 24th and today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 92 in the chapter Working with Others on the second full paragraph that starts with Continue to Speak of Alcoholism as an Illness. Today's readers are Sharon R.S., Julie R., Anita J., and Rebecca S., thank you everyone for your service today. The reference number for the previous day, Tuesday, June 23rd, is 7752. That is 7752. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that the people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marie P. to read the 12 steps, please. Go ahead, Marie. Thank you. This is Marie P., a compulsive overeater, recovered. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Marie. I will now ask Anita J. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Anita. Thank you, Amy. This is Anita J., recovered compulsive reader in Massachusetts. The 12 traditions of OA. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 
six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name I'd never be drawn into public controversy. And 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of, media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions of recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. And if you guys go over too much, I hate to be rude, but you'll hear me say time, just so you know. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Working with Others on page 92 in the second full paragraph that starts with continue to speak of alcoholism, and I'm going to ask Sharon R.S. to get us started with that paragraph. Go ahead, Sharon. Well, thank you, Amy. Good morning to you, and thank you for your service. And good morning to all of my fellow visionaries on the line. I'm Sharon R.S., a uh, recovered compulsive overeater. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep this attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are rightly loath to tell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose. But you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. You will soon have your friend admitting he has many, if not all, of the traits of the alcoholic. If his own doctor is willing to tell him that he is alcoholic, so much the better. Even though your protege may not have entirely admitted his condition, he has become very curious to know how you got well. Let him ask you that question, if he will. Tell him exactly what happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles. So this is a big chapter, it's not, or, or, or paragraph, it's not just long, it's, it's packed. 
And basically, Bill is summarizing uh, what uh, we need to do when we're working with others. And there's some some real poignant things, points that he's making here. And uh, for one thing, you keep the focus on yourself, and we're never, uh, you know, pointing to someone and telling them, uh, proclaiming that they're compulsive overeaters. We don't know. We, you know, we kind of uh, can can guess and make some assumptions based on uh, their weight or based on their eating behaviors, if we know that, based on what they've said. But we allow them the freedom to make that uh, come to that conclusion themselves. Uh, we allow their them and their higher power to work that out. We're like in, uh, in on page 99 of the 12 and 12, uh, it, the prayer, it says, make me a channel through which God flows. And humility is the underlying uh, characteristic of all of the steps. So when we're dealing with another compulsive overeater and we're 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 sharing our story we're doing it as a conduit as a channel through which our higher power their higher power we're we're hoping to open up doors for them open open up uh insights and and points of wisdom our our points of light so that they can begin to identify in and the best way for a person to identify in is to hear a story, is to hear our stories, is to hear our truth. And quite honestly, they at, at, uh, will not be able necessarily to look at us and see that we understand. Uh, because for the most part, many of us who have recovered will look like normal people on the outside. So we will need to describe uh, to them if they want to hear it. And, and while we're approaching people, we want to have our ears and eyes open and our sensitivities up and, and our self set aside so that we can be focused on them and um, mm-hmm. working uh, specifically with them. And it says, tell them exactly what happened. And I, and I just, in closing here, stress the spiritual feature freely. Uh, Bill tried to do that up front when he started, and then Dr. Silkworth told him to focus on the uh, on on the body of the alcoholic being at normal, abnormal as is the mind. Put that up front, and then bring in the spiritual malady if they show an interest. If they let you know that they know they're at, uh, a a out. Uh, alcoholic or recovering compulsive or compulsive overeater, if they know they're a compulsive overeater, they want a solution, then we can start talking about the spiritual uh, aspect of, of our recovery. But first, let's keep it focused on our, our body being abnormal as well as our mind, uh, telling our story and allowing people to identify in. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Julie R. Janice M. Kathy K. Reva P. Julie R. I've got Julie R., Janice M., Kathy P. I think there was someone before. Larry. And Sarah Larry. Sarah Who was after Larry, please? Sarah W. Sarah Reva w. P. And Reva P, we're going to stick with that. So I've got Julie R, Janice M, Kathy P, Larry K, Sarah W, and Reva. Last initial, please. Well, we'll just go with Reva. P. Okay. Oh, Reva P. Amy, it's Kathy K. Just want to correct that. Oh, Kathy K. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, so Julie, Julie R, please go ahead. Hi, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. So when I flipped open to page 92 this morning, I have several words underlined because this paragraph tells us, one, what we're supposed to talk about and exactly how to do it. You know, I'm supposed to let them know that I have an illness, a fatal malady. Again, you know, Bill likes to stress those words. I just don't eat a little bit. I just don't have a small food problem. I had a problem 
that I couldn't handle life and I chose food. Yeah, completely um, morbidly obese, living dishonestly, uh, havoc with anybody I would come in contact with. So, you know, I'm supposed to let that person know exactly what this disease did to me. But then it, I, I got to focus on that hopelessness but then I'm going to go in there and offer that solution. I mean, what is that solution? That's me having that spiritual awakening, spiritual experience. And then, yeah, I'm going to talk about that G word, you know. I'm going to talk about God. But I love it on page 93 because it's in italics. You know, talk about it. He, can have, he or she can have any kind of God they want. I, my God is, is very specific. I mean, it's not a Christian God. It's, it's um, People can have any faith they want, any religion, non-religion, it doesn't matter. What we have to focus on is to let them know how hopeless we were, how I lived in hell 24-7, and then to let them know what happened to me when I really got what this book was telling me. In the italics on page 93, tell him exactly what happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. Um, you know, I don't have to guess on what I'm supposed to work with somebody on. It tells me exactly from A to Z. And if they if, if they follow what this book says, they're going to get that end result. Um, so for me, when I was introduced to the big book, it was um, exciting. It was thrilling. It was something where... I could see tangible evidence, you know, the weight loss, yeah, whatever. But what this person has done, how they have transformed their life, that's what, what I have to hit home to people when I talk to them. I can talk to them what, you know, what a dishonest woman I was, how I lived that way day in and day out without regard to people and um, where I am today, which I'm trying to be this authentic Julie that, you know, my creator wants me to be on a daily basis. So again, we've got to focus on the illness, the fatal malady, and of the mind and body. It's not just the food. That is just one portion of it. So I am just so grateful to be here because I had that experience. There's people that have been in my life for the last 25 years, in, in, well, actually 30 years in a way, uh, that never gave up on me and constantly would just point me to the parts of the book. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julia R. Janice M., please go ahead. Well, thank you, Amy G., and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Okay, the very first word, continue, which means that previous to that, we must have been talking, you know, the new protege and myself have been talking about the illness. Well, we're going to continue to talk about the illness, the fatal malady. You know, I always say, you know what, what happened to me is, you know, if I knew if I knew that that first bite that I used to take was going I was going to die tomorrow, would I I asked myself, would I would I take that bite? Well, of course not. I wouldn't take that bite because I know I'm gonna die. Well, it's the same thing that I found out I'm talking to a protege, about myself. Because I had so much, yeah, I knew about the allergy of the body, but my mind, my mind was the real problem because I lacked power and my mind always told me to go back to that bite. All the excuses that I had, I had a sick boy, my husband is older than I, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever excuse my mind said, it sounded like a great idea. No matter if the doctor told me, Janice, you know, you're gonna be, you're on the borderline of diabetes. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so I would be afraid for about a week, and then I would continue, because my mind is the real problem. You know, um, even when I was abstinent, <laughs> even when I was abstinent. So it's not even about the craving. You know, I knew I had to stop certain foods. You know, but my mind, no matter how much pain I had. No matter how much suffering I had, no matter how many promises I made to myself, no matter how many methods I did, I was defeated. I was defeated. And believe you me, I took a long time to uh, find out the right method that I could do. Well, you know, the threat of divorce, the threat of everything that I went through, 
But I didn't remember those things. I remembered, oh, how good it was to me. Just have that bite, and maybe this time it will be different. See, that's not the allergy. That's the mind, and that's what I, we call the obsession. And I had all that stuff. I had yo-yo dieting, up and down, up and down, up and down. I could stop, but I couldn't stay from, stop, from starting. You know. And they say, oh, yeah, that happened to me too. And then we talk, well, you know, but I said, I have a way out you know, through this book. And uh, I have a solution. I know the problem. Now I, I can talk about the solution with them. And my time is up, so I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice Skim. Thank you so much. Kathy K. go ahead, please. Thank you, Amy. Uh, this is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. And um, there's so much in this paragraph, but the first sentence really uh, reminded me um, what a process it was for me to accept that I had a fatal malady. Um, and so, and it took me a long time to get there, uh, I think because I, I didn't have enough humility and I thought because I didn't have a lot of weight to lose that I wasn't as sick and suffering as others. Today I know that I am with I am recovered in recovery uh from this illness. I will never be cured and it's something that I really like to stress to people that I work with um a lot of us are perfectionistic, and we want to get it right away. And um, my experience of going through the steps was that um, it took me quite a while uh, to really find a conception of a higher power that would work for me. And it took me even longer to be willing to surrender uh, my negative thinking. I didn't have much trouble surrendering the food, but surrendering my thoughts uh, was much more difficult. And so when I talk with newcomers, I try to emphasize, you know, that we have an opportunity here with the steps, um, and it, it's not an easy process. Um, but if we are diligent and if we practice the principles as they're outlined in these pages, we can recover. Um, I'm so grateful that I now have the humility and I can share that with newcomers and other people that I talk with um, to remember that this work um it takes a lot of effort and discipline and honesty, um, and we continue every day, not just getting through the steps for the first time. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Larry Kay, please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Um, so there's, there's, there's really so much here. Uh, wow. Um, here we're given the precise instruction, um, drilling down uh, towards the bottom of paragraph two, tell him exactly what happened to you. And, you know, for me, usually I summarize. I, uh, I'll tell the person that I, I came to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous really as a shell of the person that I am now. Um, you know, that the disease of compulsive overeating had pummeled me so severely that I, I knew I was going to die if I continue down that path, um, that, you know, this disease is fatal. I mean, I know people that have died in this disease, and I was on my way. Um, I was nearly 100 pounds heavier, full of fear. We talk a little bit about some of these things, prone, of, you know, prone to isolation, certainly self-centered to the extreme. For me, the mask of my public persona was fraudulent. Um, you know, really unwilling to accept all of the tenets of this spiritual toolkit, um, I, I treated this program of action like a salad bar. Um, you know, I took what I wanted, left the rest, of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, I was half measure man, you know, for the first five years. I tell them that I wouldn't suggest that for anyone. I was cognitively dissonant, which means essentially that my walk and my talk didn't match up. 
and eventually that the disease bloodied me enough that I I was forced really to concede to my innermost self that I was completely powerless, that my life was unmanageable, and it was only at that point, really in taking step one, that I became willing to go to any lengths, uh, you know, uh, to to take these these actions that were required. And only then did I accept the twofold nature of the disease and, of course, the allergy of the body. We talked about the obsession of the mind. And, you know, conceding what I was up against and recognizing that my willpower wouldn't do jack. It wouldn't do anything. It was insufficient to save me. I was ready to take the steps, you know, taking the 12 steps precisely but not perfectly. Um, it, It enabled me to have a spiritual awakening sufficient to restore me to sanity. And that this practical program of action had one primary result for me. When I honestly and humbly completed the steps in sequence, I was brought into alignment with the higher power of my own understanding, which served to eradicate the symptoms of my disease one day at a time. And so I I, I stress the spiritual feature of this program freely. I make it clear that they can choose their own conception of God. I'm not in the business of selling anything to anybody. I merely want to be of maximum service to uh, to them. Um, you know, she, I tell them if, they, if you know if they don't want to die, here's something that worked for me. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Sarah W. Please go ahead. Good morning, Amy. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. Sarah W., a very grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Um, I always try to ask my higher power to help me um, share what I what I need to share that maybe I can help somebody. And the thought came to mind that yesterday when I was at a patient's house um, and they were sharing with me an experience they had with their physician, who's a oncologist, that she was speaking to her at a level that she couldn't understand, that she was using words and saying things that she did not understand. And that happens oftentimes when we go into the doctor, you know, they'll use medical terminology that a lot of people are not familiar with. And so I wanted to bring us back to XXIV where it says, AA speak the language of the heart in all its power and simplicity. And I wanted to also bring up the idea that we meet people where they're at, that there are some people that are so badly broken, and how can I share something for myself of my own brokenness? Because what I believe today is that God comes through our wounds. And so, you know, you know, the, the food was what I used to escape life. I didn't know how to do life because I felt like I was so self-loathing that I was incapable of of allowing myself to feel because it was too painful. And so I can share that with them. I can share the fact that when I walked in the doors, I could barely breathe, that I couldn't lay down anymore, that I was starting to have issues even with taking care of my own hygiene, um, that I, you know, was busting out of clothes because I was too embarrassed to go into a store to buy a larger size. And I think that is what really helps people understand because that's not who I am today. You know, today I'm fit. You know, I, I exercise. I eat very healthily. I, I'm, I'm part of my family. You know, I've, I've really, um, you know, uh, there's a long period of reconstruction, but I've had a long period and it's really starting to, to show in my family and all the things. And those are the gifts that were given. And I have friends and people that care about me and really people that I care about. So our lives totally take a new turn. And as was stated, it's all about using the principles of the program, which are really embodied in the step. And when we use the, the steps the way they were outlined in the book, it works. It works for all of us. And my husband said something yesterday, and I just want to end with that. He said, you know, we can have the meetings and and a sponsor, and we may still get drunk, or we may still compulsively overeat. 
we can have the meetings and 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 the steps. But we need really all three. We need the steps, a sponsor, and the meetings. And that's where we really get the full essence of the program, and that's where we will indeed recover and become abstinent and live a healthy, full life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Reva P., you are up. Good morning. This is Reva P., a compulsive overeater in recovery, living in Toronto. Um, This paragraph reminds me of the paradoxes in this program, how my best thinking um, became um, unhealthy thinking. And when it says, first of all, to continue to speak of the disease and tell him exactly what happened, my way would be, I've already talked a little bit about myself, now it's my turn to tell you what to do and to tell you how to fix the situation. And I can almost have a sense of humor about this because it reminds me, nope, just keep continuing to talk about myself because I remember the first speaker I ever heard at my first meeting Our life situations were totally different, but she talked about what it was like, what happened, and what it was like now, exactly. And uh, I can't tell you exactly the words she said, but I know I cried my whole way through because it was the first time somebody said exactly what was happening with me. The other thing I wanted to share is about the hopelessness. You know, this program is totally different than a diet or a support group because I don't sit around with a bunch of other people talking about how hopeless and how awful it is. Um, I talk about the hopelessness as it relates to the fact that there is a solution, Um, and that's a totally different energy. It's one thing to talk about how terrible something is, but it's another thing to say, but there is a solution. And I really appreciated that so much at the beginning. And the last thing I want to share about is choosing any conception of a higher power that I like. That was really difficult for me, and I'm glad I didn't hear that at my first first meeting um, because we've gone through a couple of paragraphs before we get to tell the newcomer about this. Um, But I had a conception that I didn't even realize I had, which was a very punishing God you were good or bad. Food was a moral issue. If I was dieting, I was good, and I had a good day. If I binged my face off, I was a bad person, and I had a bad day. And I don't even use those words anymore, which is such a miracle. Um, and it was a process, and it's still a process for me. Um, but I never, never thought or knew that what I had was a spiritual problem and a spiritual hunger, and the food was just the iceberg tip symptom. And this reminds me that even today, and especially every day, 24 hours, you know, my work, my mother's health in the hospital, my relationships, I don't get to control anything because it doesn't work. My control button is broken It was broken with the food, and that's all I was aware of. But having this beginning of willing to believe in a power greater than myself was the beginning to a power in all areas of my life, which is totally the opposite of how I behaved before. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Reva. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Mary Mary B. This is Janice. Do. Okay, hold on. I'm writing, I'm writing. Nessa R. Vanis, uh, Vasa R. Or Vasa O. I'm trying to remember. Janice M. Who else did I get? Who else? Mary B. Do. Amy M. Mary B. Amy M. All right, so I have Nessa R, Vasa O, Janice M, Mary B, and Amy M. Rakesha C. Oh, and Rakesha. Okay, we'll go with that then. Nessa, go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Nessa R, a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada, but today I'm calling from sunny, very warm Florida. Um, Reading this paragraph reminds me of the paragraph um, in There is a Solution in page 18 that reads, 
that the man, man who is making the approach has had the same difficulty that he obviously knows that what he is talking about, that he's holding the port and shouts at the new prospect, that he is a man with a real answer, that he has no attitude of holier than now, nothing whatever except the desire to be helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess this is, this is the, basically the same instruction. And I like um, what it says here, that he has had the same difficulty. And the bigger difficulty that I see in the rooms today, although sometimes the rooms that I go to, we get um, newcomers, but not so often. Um, people who have been in the rooms for years and years and years and have never got it and are struggling. And that certainly was my difficulty. I was in the rooms for nine years um, and I wasn't getting it. Um, the only thing that kept me in the rooms um, was the fact that I was afraid that if I left, there would be 400 pounds out there waiting for me. Um, and, and that this is the reason why I stayed. And I share this. I share this with people. Um, why, why didn't I get it? I really don't know. I think that when the student is ready, the teacher, the teacher appears. But I was doing everything that I was being told to do. You know, I was going to three committed meetings, and I was making phone calls, and I had a checklist buddy, and I was journaling, and, and all these things. Um, but I, I just wasn't finding the answer. Um, I don't know if there's somebody uh, unmuted, but there's some like rumbling on the line that is quite distracting. Um, anyhow, um, at some point I thought that I was one of those were, who uh, were uh, un constitutionally incapable. And um, I was you know, pretty demoralized and discouraged even in the rooms, um, almost getting the feeling back that I had when I first arrived that it was my fault. But then I found my current sponsor, and you know, in the page 24 it says uh, we have lost the power of choice in drink, and I did what she told me to do. The first thing is she gave me my food plan. You know, I, I'm not allowed to choose what I eat because I have lost my power of choice. And then she took me to the steps, and you know, that's the message I carry. I, I, I say I, I struggle the way you have struggled or are struggling. And this is the answer, but only once, only by establishing the fact that I know what I am talking about, that I know uh, and I have lived uh, what they are living, then the solution I offer becomes a credible one um, with depth and weight. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vasa. I'm sorry, Nessa. Vasa O, please, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Amy, for your service. And I'm grateful to recover compulsive overeater calling from Massachusetts. And yes, I was sick and suffering. This was my last hope. It really was, you know. I remember saying, if this doesn't work, I'm just going to die, you know. And I was struggling with fears, worries, and anxiety. And yeah, AA OA is a uh, <clears throat> spoke to me in a language that I could understand. Uh, it was just amazing because I heard people share about, you know, their own diseases, you know, and I could identify. And, uh, I, yes, I did my own conception of God, fearful punishing God. I projected my parents on God. I didn't know that. I, didn't know, I, I did not know so much what that I didn't, didn't know. <coughs> Excuse me. And then I heard the, you know, the allergy of the body, the disease, the mental obsession. And I was afraid to put those things down. See, I didn't know before the allergy, but I learned. And I, my sponsor said, well, this is toxic. You know, if we put it on bodies, it's like poison. And I did put it down. But believe me, I want it back so bad, you know. I've shared this many times. I want to throw myself on the floor, and I want it. I want it I, like a little baby. I want this. I want that. Please don't give it back to me. And, yes, going through the withdrawals, going to God, learning how to go to God for the first time, you know, in, you know, in the desperation. Uh, I went to my meeting last night. It was a Tuesday night meeting, and this, 
the format has been cha- has been changed. Now every time we go, we work the steps the away, and then we read the next time the big book. So there were two, just two people showed up last night, and they were they've been coming for the last month, but they're newcomers. So we didn't know what step uh, we were left the last time. I don't know what happened. But anyways, I said, well, let's do step one, you know. And they needed to hear it. And they needed to hear my struggles with the food, you know. And uh, they, you know, they admitted, like I admitted, with my powers with the food and the unmanageability, you know. And again, you know, I asked, People, do you want to? Do you want this? Do you want to stop eating? You know, and it seems they do. You know, but we'll see how long this is going to go. I just hope and pray they keep coming. And uh, I, I continue to speak about um, the, the the illness and the fatal malady about it. You know, uh, I would be there today if I did not find a program. And it started with the food, you know, yeah, step one. But I continued with the rest of the steps. With the not Okay, thank you very much, Fali Shane. I passed. Thank you. Janice, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice M P. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, here we are. I love this paragraph because we are talking about how we are going to help someone else. And I don't know about you, but the most wonderful thing in the world feels so good to help somebody else. And they say, you know, our dark past, our dark past and our dark experiences are going to be the very thing that's going to allow us to help somebody else. You know, there's a couple places in this paragraph where where they put it in italics because it was so important. You know, it said, pay attention to this. We're going to put it in italics. Tell him exactly what happened to you. Tell him exactly what happened to you. Because we can share about the disease. And people have, if you're anything like me, I talked about the disease plenty when I was in the depths of it. And sometimes I got a lot of sympathy. I got a lot of sympathy. I remember one person, you know, I've heard it said recently, you know, the person said, bless your heart. Oh, that sounds so hard. Bless your heart. But I tell you, the person who struck me, who talked to me, who told me exactly what had happened to her, I found empathy. I felt with her what she was talking about because I had been there. I was still there. And I needed her to tell me exactly what had happened to her because she was somewhere else now. And I didn't know how to get there. I saw her standing there, her eyes shining. Passion, love, encouragement was all there and she was trying to hand it to me. But she told me exactly what happened, that she found a spiritual solution. That this disease that I thought was all about the physical And the mental, oh, my God, it had me by the throat physically, but even when I put the food down, my brain was captive. It was like a boomerang. I kept trying to throw it out there, and it kept coming back and hitting me again and again. So she stressed the spiritual. What had happened to her was that there was a big old turnaround, and she she began to find the God of her understanding. She didn't tell me that I needed to find her God. I just needed to find the God that worked for me and that it would happen for me, she told me, through work in the 12 steps. You know, what a blessing that was. She told me exactly what happened to her, and she didn't hide it. She wasn't afraid to talk about the God of her understanding, the spiritual aspect. And that's what I needed to hear because I was clueless as to how she had gotten from where I was, because she'd obviously been there, to where she was standing now. And I so needed that. You know, what a great blessing we give our dark past. We tell exactly what happened to us, because part of what exactly happened to me was that I found this spiritual solution. 
spiritual in nature, this God of my understanding, and that it wouldn't happen to me without the working of these steps. But it would happen to me if I was like her and if I decided to do whatever it took to get there. You know, what a blessing that is. We have something to offer, a place where this person can walk across the bridge just like I did, across the bridge of reason to the shore of faith. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Mary B., please go ahead. Hi, this is Mary B., gratefully recovered in Central California. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Amy, and thank you for your service and everyone who has shared. Over the weekend, um, I was thinking about this line and what we've been reading and discussing in the last few days about uh, carrying the message and where we find prospects and um, how we start the conversation. And, And then I thought about when you get a count on this line, there are two to 300 people. The count is two to 300 people. And every day we have, what, 10 to 20 people who share, and it's almost always the same people. And I love it. It's like a home group, you know, where we have maybe 20 people in a meeting, and it's always, you know, the same people. And we get close and we get to know one another. But I thought about all those other people out there. And I know that there are some who are recovered and uh, going through the book and sponsoring and being sponsored and just a little shy about hitting that star one. And I know that because I'm one of them. And, uh, you know, it reminds me, and I don't ever want to lose sight of the fact that that person that I need to share with is in my face-to-face meetings, in front of my eyes, and in front of my voice on this line. In my opinion, those people are getting the best of the best on this line. And I know they're still hurting, they're still eating, they're finding whatever reason not to join and and work through this book. But I have learned, and, and the best thing that I have gotten out of the book, going through it so many times, is that never, never, never does it tell me that if I do these things, if I follow these instructions, I can be thin. But it tells me over and over again that if I follow these instructions... I will be of help or of use to God and my fellows. And um, that's thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you, Mary. Amy M., you are up. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for being here. My name is Amy M. I'm a compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And, um, you know, this is the first time I'm sharing on this meeting, and I'm so excited to do so, and I feel so moved to do so. Um, this reading has really hit me. Uh, thank you. Uh, this this reading just, you know, every day um, when I'm listening, it's me. It's me. And I'm so grateful, um, you know, that, that we have OA and we have each other. Um, I just want to speak a little bit to the reading and just how, you know, the way that I've been brought up in program is that we are a vessel for our higher power to use and be that example of program. Um, and my struggle with the food, and, you know, it, it, we have a progressive disease. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It's physical. We need those three things as um, a sponsor, eating, uh, and the steps along with all of the other tools, um, you know, and the, the struggle that I've been having, I've been facing for the past year is, you know, um, I, I've been 
off and on with my sponsor, or um, I have a sponsor, but I'm not I'm not calling her every day, and uh, therefore, in my head now, I realize I really don't have a sponsor, and I'm in great need of a sponsor. I had four phenomenal years of back-to-back abstinence every day, you know, just just loving um, loving life and living program, and. Uh, you know, I, I needed some changes, and I had to find a new sponsor to do so. And that one piece, you know, it, it, it slipped away of having a sponsor. And it's so critical to have that sponsor because I've been working the steps, and I've been trying um, to reach out, and I try to get to face-to-face meetings, and I've been listening on phone meetings. But, you know, all three, they, they need to go hand-in-hand. You know, and the last thing that I just want to mention along with these things is, you know, speaking to our fellows and reaching out to others. You know, I recently re- reached out to somebody else who, who I feel is a compulsive overeater, and I just shared my experience, strength, and hope, you know. But right now, I'm not, I'm not um, I guess it's not as visible or or what have you. You know, I had a baby. I still haven't lost all the weight, and I've been having a hard time. And like I said, I've been struggling with the sponsor piece. So I feel as though, you know, me bringing the message to her maybe wasn't wasn't the best time or wasn't the best um, visual or something, you know. But, But as we've been hearing and as we've been reading, you know, we can't push it. You know, people will come to program on their own, and all I can do is share my experience, strength, and hope. And, um, you know, and, and that's that, and, and say I'm here. Um, so, again, I'm just so grateful to hear these things, to know I'm not alone, um, you know, and I hope and I keep praying. It was, it was interesting how I found the meeting. I was praying and praying um, for a sponsor, and then I picked up the big book, and I had never read it cover to cover, almost five years in program, and I've never read it cover to cover. I picked it up, I started reading it, two days before I found this meeting, you know, so it's just, it. that's God, that's my higher power working and showing me the way, and I just need to be open and continue to get down on my knees, and I know um, uh, he'll put the right sponsor in my life as well. Um, so thank you all for being here, and uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Rakesha C., go ahead, please. Thank you, Amy. This is Rakesha C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from California. And I would like to share on the first sentence of that paragraph where it says, well, on the fatal malady, basically. And this is what I do. When I share at a meeting or when I speak, you know, face-to-face with an acquaintance, uh, a stranger, a family member, a friend, about this, about food addiction, I tell them that for me, I am 100% sure that working a spiritual and abstinent program is a matter of life and death. Fatal means death, and this is a matter of life and death for me. You know, first I'll dwell on the physical reasons why it's a matter of life and death. You know, that um, my top weight was 215 so far, I'm 100 pounds less than that today, but I know that I can go up to 215, uh, 315, 415, 15. I have it in me. All I need to do is eat, and I know how to do that really well. And I would rather eat. I would rather eat than do anything else in my life. And even though I claim I'm recovered, I, I still don't have freedom from the food. But I am not eating. I do not eat, and that is the main difference. And I dwell on the physical um, difficulties I had as a result of my addiction. You know, at the age of 24, I was morbidly obese, and I had my gallbladder removed because it got infected from my eating. And and a year and a half ago, over a year and a half ago, I, I was in relapse, and I gained 50 pounds in two months. And my doctor told me that I had to go immediately on um, high cholesterol medication because my cholesterol had more than doubled in two months and it was off the chart and just on and on and on. And so the question is why do I also physically it's pretty clear why I have to why I have to um do this program and people will understand that and especially after I describe the way I eat, you know, I'm just basically an eating machine. When I'm eating, I'm basically an eating machine all day any waking moment. So why 
the physical, uh, why the spiritual program? Why do I have to work with a spiritual program when the, the solution is abstinence, an abstinence program? And I explained it. I have to work a spiritual program because I cannot obtain or, more importantly, maintain abstinence without working the spiritual program. I have no power to get abstinent or remain abstinent on my own. I do not have that power. Just like I can't lift 500 pounds, I can't stop eating on my own. And so I have to work the spiritual program. It's a matter of life and death, both the spiritual and the physical. They go hand in hand for me. I can't do one without the other. And I explain that. You know, I I know for me, for me, I'm 100% sure that that is the case. And I'm 100% sure that if I don't work my program, both spiritually and absolutely, that I am going to die from this disease. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Rakesha. Okay, who else would like to share? We've got, oh. Renata. Got just about, Renata, I think we're going to have to wrap up with you here. Go ahead, Renata. Thank you, Amy. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Vader in New York. Um, I was just thinking here, and it made me think, um, you know, like when I went to Weight Watchers several times, and I remember, you know, uh, being in those rooms, thinking, you know, like the lifetime members, like the, the, the women that guide the meeting, whatever, I remember thinking that they were amazing because, you know, they were once uh, overweight, and now they were not anymore, and they could keep it off. And, you know, I remember one time I got up and went to talk to one of these women, and I I said to her, I said I was doing so well, and I was counting my points, and I was following everything. And I don't know, all of of a sudden I just decided to eat something, and I couldn't stop eating. And I've been eating for like two weeks. And she looked at me like I had two heads. She could not understand that. And so, you know, I didn't know back then, but today I know, you know, those people that can go to Weight Watchers or whatever and just moderate, they're not composed real composable eaters like I am. And then I came to the rooms of away, and yes, you know, I had proof, and I had, I heard about the allergy of the body and obsession of the mind, not in this specific terms, because in the rooms I've never heard those words before. But, I, you know, I could see how week after week people would, you know, stay, be absent and then pick up the food and be absent and pick up the food. So, you know, the, the, the problem, like the disease, the, you know, that this fatal malady that, you know, it was very, very clear in the room. Like I finally understood, wow, this is a disease. It's not just, you know, a matter of self-control. I can't control this thing. But still, like, the spiritual part was not there, you know, until I came to A Vision for You and I really, you know, learned about the disease and I've heard about the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, the crazy things people did while in their disease, you know, the behaviors, the broken relationships, like everything that I could identify in. And then, you know, the spiritual part. One thing that was very, very consistent that every single speaker I heard talk about was that the way they could, you know, be have freedom from, from all of this today was by working the steps. That was something that was, you know, like it says, I don't have the book in front of me, but, you know, it was stressed freely, you know, the spiritual solution. Uh, you know, and then I, I was, that, that was the only way that I I was finally convinced that I needed these 12 steps if I wanted to have some kind of freedom, some, you know, a different life because everything else had failed in the rooms and outside of the room. Thanks for letting me share. Thank, thank you. Pass. Thank you, Renata. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. Um, we will now close with a reading mm-hmm. for Vision for You. And that would be Julie R. Please go ahead, Julie. Hi, Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of destiny. Happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.